This week, Jeff Tapia and I will conclude our discussion of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 6. Plus, I'll tell you about what I've been watching on TV recently, including the pilot of The Orville. Let's do it! Welcome to Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Jesse Milkey. Just wanted to say, if anyone's in the path of the hurricane, I hope that you're staying safe and that things are going relatively okay for you. It's, it's insane how horrible these storms have been. So if you're part of our Sci-Fi community affected by these storms, just know that we're thinking about you and hoping for the best for you. Last week's show was the first half of my discussion of Season 6 of Star Trek The Next Generation with my very good friend Jeff Tapia. I'm going to bring you the rest of that this week. We recorded it live on YouTube, so the audio quality is not exactly what I would have hoped for. But, you know, I'm working with what I got. I'm trying to figure out how to make my live broadcast audio work better. And hopefully I'll figure that out by this Sunday, because this upcoming Sunday I will be doing the first ever live sci-fi on trial with my good friends... Johnny Unicorn and Ryan Casey. So if you listen to my other podcast, Sci-Fi on Trial, you'll know it's been a little while since an episode came out, and they come out pretty infrequently, and that's something that I am not happy about. The reason that that happens is that the show is extremely hard to produce. It's, you know, five people sitting down having a freewheeling, you know, two to four hour conversation that I then edit together with uh, interviews from someone else who's seen the movie in question, and it just really gets out of control with how hard it is to put together. So I love the show. I love the quality of the show, but I'm trying to figure out if there's another way that I can do that show and have it be easier and have it come out more often. So my new idea is to try live streaming it and making it basically an interactive live show. So here's the new plan for the show. It's going to be about John Carter because that's the movie that we that was uh, voted to be the next movie to put on trial. And it's just going to be three people. It's going to be me, John and Ryan. So we're going to try a totally different format for this live version. And the reason I thought of this is that I have been doing this live game streaming and I've learned how to have, you know, overlays of different videos or effects happen. So basically it's going to be a shot of the three of us sitting on my couch, but we'll have the actual footage of John Carter in a little box on the screen. And we're going to, you know, look at different clips of the movie live on the internet, which is super cool. And I'm super excited to try it out. So Ryan will be arguing that you should watch this movie and John will be arguing that you should skip it. And then it's kind of like a game show where the audience will decide who wins, Ryan or John. Should we watch or skip the movie based off of their arguments? And the winner, whoever convinces the audience, will get to choose the next film that we'll put on trial and come back to defend it. So I'm really excited about this. It's a little simpler format. uh, And I'm really excited about the live audience element. So if you've never watched anything live on YouTube, there is a live chat that you can participate in where you just type up your thoughts. So uh, we'll be running a poll in the chat at the end so the audience can decide who is the winner. And then we'll be checking in with the audience throughout the broadcast to see who's who you're siding with after each argument. And also just to you know get your opinions on John Carter. So something I really like about this is that we're going to get a much broader view of the films that we're putting on trial than just the people in the room. So I'm pumped about it. So that will be starting live on YouTube uh, this Sunday. 
September 17th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. This is an experiment. I am very hopeful that it will work well. Uh, and I would really love your support. I'd love for you to come by, check out the broadcast. It'll probably last for about an hour to an hour and a half. My goal is to have it be under, under an hour and a half for sure. And then I may edit it into a podcast. I'm not 100% sure. If it works better to have it live, I may just, you know, move that show off of the podcast platform and onto the live platform. So I don't know. I might do both. That just seems like I'm getting back into the problem of it being too much work <laughs> just because, you know, I've got I've got a lot going on on top of uh, this podcast, my game streaming, my sci fi album and having Lyme disease. That's a full time job right there. So I'm trying to I'm trying to make things easier on myself. We'll see how it goes. If you want to tune into that broadcast, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Sci-Fi, where you can also see my game streaming, which has been going very well. I've had a lot of enthusiasm from the people who enjoy my, my video game streaming. I actually just got the connections that I need to stream my Super Nintendo. So last night I did like a half hour test stream where I played a little bit of Hook on Super Nintendo live on the internet, and it was very joyous for me. I'm excited about that. So I'll be playing some Mario Kart and all the classic. I can get my my Nintendo 64 working as well. So one of these days, Andy and I are going to sit down. I'm going to teach her how to play Mario Kart, and it's going to be hilarious because because uh, yeah, she'll she'll have never done it before. Anyway, so uh, let's talk about some science fiction. The Orville has premiered. Um, the Orville, created by Seth MacFarlane, who actually created Family Guy and American Dad, and you probably know who Seth MacFarlane is. The movie Ted and Ted Two. He's a very famous uh, comedy television producer. He's also a huge sci-fi nerd. He did guest star on Enterprise as like a background crew member. So that's his claim to nerd fame. And he was one of the producers on the Cosmos television series, as was Brandon Braga, who was a producer on the old Star Trek shows like uh, Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise. Uh, those are the old shows now. That's crazy. So Brandon Braga is also producer on The Orville. So we got some some heavy sci-fi clout behind this show. And the advertisements looked interesting. It looked like it was sort of a, a play on Star Trek and Galaxy Quest, which in itself is a play on Star Trek. So I was excited, uh, kind of. <laughs> I was excited because the idea of having a new sci-fi comedy on TV was very appealing to me. But I'm not the biggest fan of Seth MacFarlane's style of comedy. So when Family Guy first came out, I was really into it for the first couple of years. I was in college or maybe just getting out of high school and, and into college. And I, it was just so like sharp and crazy and crass and funny. And I really loved it. And then Family Guy was canceled. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Family Guy was canceled, came back a couple of years later because the fan outcry was huge. I think it was on Fox, actually. So another example of Fox canceling something in a really fucked up way when it was had a really big audience and they just didn't know how to tap into it. Uh, cough, cough, firefly. So the show came back on the air, Family Guy, and then it, uh, in my opinion, kind of went downhill. So by season four, I was like, this is, I don't know, it's getting into this like territory of violent humor, which I really don't like. And then I just kind of completely stopped watching by season five or six. I was just totally out. Uh, and I haven't looked back. I haven't watched it again. I remember the moment on Family Guy that broke me. There was this episode where... Stewie was beating up Brian, the dog, 
constantly throughout the episode and he was just getting bloodier and bloodier and in worse and worse shape and I just really hate it when people try to use violence for humor it just never sits well for me I've probably told the story on the podcast before about sitting in a movie theater and watching guarding Tess Uh, and if not if I haven't told that story I'll just tell it to you again very briefly where there's this moment where Nicolas Cage tells someone he's gonna he's gonna count to three before he shoots off their toe if he doesn't tell him where Tess is because he's supposed to guard Tess and he lost her because this guy kidnapped her or something like that. I only watched this movie once and I was very young. So uh, he says one and then shoots off the guy's toe and then the guy starts screaming and says, ah, you didn't count. And it, it was played for laughs and people in the audience laughed. And I was very young and I just broke into tears. And it wasn't because of what was happening on screen. It was because of the people in the audience laughing at someone getting their toe shot off. It just seemed so fucked up to me and I was so sad and it really bothered me. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've gotten older. I'm, you know, there are situations where I think violence can be funny, but it's very rare in my estimation. And Family Guy crossed the line where they started doing violent stuff pretty often that I found extremely distasteful and I just didn't want to watch anymore. So I bailed on the show. I never really liked American Dad. I tried to watch it. It wasn't for me. But I do have a soft spot for Seth MacFarlane because he's such a Star Trek nerd. And when I heard about the Orville, I did have a glimmer of hope that it would be good. Then I watched the preview and I thought that it was... I thought all the jokes in the preview were completely flat. I didn't laugh once at any of the jokes. They just seemed like lowest common denominator jokes to me, and I wasn't that excited about it. But the show still looked good. I mean, the the visual aspect of it still was appealing to me, so I still wanted to check it out. So yesterday I got up in the morning and I watched the first episode of The Orville, and I actually kind of liked it. Uh, You know, I've been reading all this terrible press recently, so I wasn't really expecting much at all. And to be honest, the only reason I really watched it was to be able to say whether or not I liked it on the podcast this week. I wanted to be able to give an opinion, but I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, It's very flawed and there are things about it that I really dislike, but I feel like the things I like are outweighing the things I dislike. So let's start with the negative. The things I dislike First and foremost, there is a plot going throughout the first episode that the captain of the ship, Seth MacFarlane, used to be married to the first officer and she cheated on him and they are butting heads. It was terrible. It was badly written. Uh, I I like... I like Adrian Palicki, the, the actress who played his wife. So and it's not necessarily poorly acted because I feel like she did a, a fine job acting it. Um, I don't know if Seth MacFarlane is a good actor or not. I... I I don't know. He has some charisma, but I I wasn't quite, I don't know. He's no Tim Allen in Galaxy Quest. Let's put it that way. Anyway, that whole relationship felt completely flat for me. And I found myself actively annoyed and frustrated every time they were talking about their relationship on screen. With the one exception of a scene in the very, very beginning where, uh, you know, Seth walks in. I don't know any of the characters' names. Seth walks in on his wife cheating on him with a blue alien who squirts goo all over. And it's really funny. That was probably the funniest moment for me of the whole show. Uh, Which brings me to my second point is that the show is really not that funny, which is so surprising (laughs) because it's a sci-fi comedy, but it's not that funny. To me, it seemed more like a a, a sci-fi show set in a more realistic type of work environment. It's like they combine The Office with Star Trek, where people make, you know, wry comments under their breath about what's happening, which I love. I mean, I love that as as a premise for a show. I just wish that what they said was funnier. The show borrows a lot from Star Trek. It basically seems like they wanted to make a new Star Trek show and just make it funnier. 
and that brings me to the things that I do like, which is that I love Star Trek. <laughs> and I, I actually really enjoyed that aspect of this show, that they were really trying to embrace Star Trek and make something like Star Trek. I think that's great. Galaxy Quest did the exact same thing, where it's basically a parody of Star Trek. This is kind of a parody of Star Trek also, with the added benefit of the fact that it's on TV and will have time to grow and give us you know, more than just the two hours of Galaxy Quest. And in that aspect, I was actually really hopeful about the show in general, because I feel like sometimes with comedies, it's hard to be funny right off the bat. Sometimes it takes a minute for the writers and the actors to kind of gel. And this is a very technical production. I mean, the special effects, the CGI, I was actually pretty impressed with the special effects. And I I, I actually really liked the set design. I didn't like the costumes that much, like the the whatever the Starfleet is called, their costumes look kind of boring to me, but the makeup was really good. Uh, there's some really interesting characters. There's the guy on the bridge who's uh, a species that is only male. There are no females. He seems to have no sense of humor, and I think that's a great idea for a show that's supposed to be funny to have someone with no sense of humor on the bridge. I think that's great. Uh, there's the security officer who's this like tiny, like short girl who's super strong and basically a superhero. I loved her character. I thought she was really fun. Uh, there's a robot character named Isaac that was totally boring and seemed like uh, trying to fill that place of like Spock and Data and Odo, the person who's trying to learn about humanity on the show. And that that seemed over the top Star Trek to me. It seemed like it wasn't adding, adding anything or being new or interesting. It was just ripping off something from Star Trek without really twisting it at all. And I don't mind things being ripped off, but I do I do mind when you just you copy it exactly and don't try to twist it into your own thing. Uh, the plot was actually kind of interesting. You know, it was like your cookie cutter sci-fi action adventure plot inside of this sort of comedy stuff happening. And the way that the plot ends up is really ridiculous involving a giant redwood tree. And I, I liked how stupid it was. You know, that kind of worked for me. I feel like if the show kind of grabs its stupidity and runs with it, it could really succeed. And I'm thinking in the way that Hitchhiker's Guide is, you know, so bizarrely stupid, but incredibly emotional sometimes like that. I I love that. And Doctor Who kind of harnesses that as well, where it's really goofy and B-movie, but then when the emotional stuff happens, you really feel it because you don't expect it. So uh, I saw like hints of that in this show. I'll be honest, I'm excited to see more. I I enjoyed watching it. I really want to watch another episode in spite of myself because I really didn't expect to enjoy a new show from Seth MacFarlane. But but that's, you know, I don't know. I've been really liking things recently that critics and friends of mine seem to dislike, like The Dark Tower. And uh, although, you know, none of my friends saw The Dark Tower except the two I went with. Uh, I call my girlfriend a friend, but sure, she's a friend also. I went with Andy and Sarah, and we all we all liked it a lot. So um, everyone that I know liked The Dark Tower, but everyone else in the world seems to hate it, which really bums me out. And then this show has just been panned by critics, and all the chatter I've seen online from friends of mine in the sci-fi world who watch the show all seem to feel like it was okay and not that funny, and that was kind of disappointing. But for me, you know... I'm such a sucker for this kind of thing. I'm such a sucker for a crew traveling through space in almost any scenario. So, I mean, I liked the movie Wing Commander. I'm I'm a sucker for this stuff and I really enjoyed it and I want to see more. And, you know, I don't know. Sue me. If my opinions are crazy, you don't have to listen to this show. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my opinions are terrible, but I'm going to put them out there anyway because they're my opinions and I stand by them. I enjoyed the Orville. I think you should check it out, uh, at least the first episode, and see if it's for you. 
I also watched through uh, Luke Cage, which I know I'm way behind the boat on for this show. But the Defenders just came out, and I'm really curious to see the Defenders because Sigourney Weaver's in it, and you have you know this Marvel team up show on Netflix, and I'm I'm curious about that. I like the Marvel movies quite a bit, except for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I didn't like that. Didn't like that movie. And because of because of my like of those movies, I've tried pretty hard to stay up to date with the TV shows that Marvel makes. Uh, you know, I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it came out, but I got so sick of that show in season four. I just bailed. I was, it was just got so frustrating and stupid. So I just got out. Uh, and then I tried to watch Daredevil and I really got bored. I got through about half of that show and I thought it was so boring. And I, again, like my opinions are crazy. I, I seem to be in the minority on this where everybody else seemed to really like Daredevil and I thought it was so boring. Uh, so I didn't watch any of the rest of it because I'm a completist. My plan was to uh, any of the rest of it being like Jessica Jones, Luke, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then the Defenders. My plan has always been to go back and finish Daredevil and then watch the rest of those shows, but I just couldn't do it. I just had no interest in watching the rest of Daredevil because I was so bored. So when my mom was visiting, we watched Jessica Jones. I talk, I think I talked about that on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, God, my memory sucks. If I didn't talk about that, I really enjoyed it, but I felt like they stretched out the story a little longer than it needed to be and there was like filler in the second half of the season but David Tennant was fantastic and uh, you know Kristen Ritter was fantastic um Mike Coulter was fantastic, who played Luke Cage in that show. And because of that, I was really curious about seeing Luke Cage. So overall, Jessica Jones, I really enjoyed, um, even though it felt like the editing was a little wonky or something. I don't know. Something about these Netflix shows, it's like being outside of the constraints of network television where you don't have to be like 42 minutes or 44, however long it's supposed to be. You can be as long as you want. Like some shows really thrive in that environment, like House of Cards, the new season of which I thought was fucking fantastic. But then these Marvel shows, I feel like they need the constraints. They need they need to be the same amount of time every week or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like uh, all of them seem to uh, like hold shots a little longer than is comfortable sometimes. And I don't know, maybe it's like an, a stylistic aesthetic thing that doesn't quite work for me. Uh, so, I mean, that prevented me from enjoying Daredevil at all. And it just made me feel like Jessica Jones could have been better, but I still really liked it. I felt the exact same way about Luke Cage, where I felt like it could it could have been paced a little bit better, but I really liked it. Of all of the Netflix shows, that I, of all the Netflix Marvel superhero shows, Luke Cage has been my favorite. It just, it edged out Jessica Jones by just a little bit. And obviously I don't even care for Daredevil. So yeah, I really liked it. I think the things that I loved about it were Mike Coulter's performance. Um, the show was, you know, this sounds silly coming from a white guy, but the show is unabashedly black in a way that I really enjoyed. I mean, from the the music to the casting to the environments, like everything about it was celebrating black culture. And that felt so good to me. I just really, really loved that. Uh, something insane this is a bit of a tangent but something insane that i've learned recently from streaming mario maker is how incredibly racist the internet is you know i'm sitting there playing mario online and people will drop into my chat and start dropping the n-bomb or saying horrible things about you know it's usually black people unfortunately they're saying horrible things about black people and it's so upsetting and i just ban those people and i have great moderators who are helping me to maintain a positive atmosphere in my chat but man it's so crazy like you hear about internet trolls you hear about all this shit 
I'm now kind of diving deep into that world in this, you know, in the gaming world, because that's where a lot of this is happening. I haven't really come across much trolling at all in doing my sci-fi podcasts, but it's probably because my audience is small. Uh, but with the gaming stuff, you know, I'm already reaching more people than I am in the podcast. And there's a lot more hatred pouring in because I th- I think I think what's happening is people just think it's funny and cool to be hateful. So they just jump into people's chats and want to be that guy who's saying the edgy thing. And it really disgusts me like deep down to the depth of my core. And I think that, uh, you know, institutionalized racism and segregation in our society, which is a huge thing. And if you don't think it is, then you, <laughs> you know, you probably then you're probably white. Um, so just seeing seeing black culture celebrated in a big way in a show that's like a mainstream show uh, made me so happy i talked about the black panther trailer a few uh, maybe months ago i guess about how happy that made me to see like this black movie that was a superhero movie also and i felt very much similarly about luke cage where i feel like they really nailed that aspect of it i don't have any history with the character of luke cage i haven't read the defenders comics or any of these characters in the comic books so i don't know anything about them except for what was presented to me in these shows and i found it very compelling i i really enjoyed the character and i would definitely recommend watching the show it it also seemed to suffer from that weird like second half of the season lag. Uh, Mahershala Ali plays Cottonmouth, who he's also Remy Danton on House of Cards. He's a fantastic actor. I loved him as Cottonmouth. And then there's this guy Diamondback, who's kind of the big bad of the season. When it's like a oh, there's a couple people who are sort of big bads, I guess. But Diamondback comes in towards the second half of the show, and I found him much less compelling than Cottonmouth and much less interesting of a bad guy. So I felt like the show sort of. Um, I don't know, became a little less gripping when he showed up because the stakes didn't feel as important to me. But I was carried through by the strength of the performance of Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. God damn, he's good. He was so good. He's gorgeous. He's charming. He's solid. And you want to follow him. And, you know, it really worked for me. I really liked it. So if I had edited that show, maybe there would have been a couple episodes fewer and episodes would have been tightened up a hair. But still great show highly recommended i'm also obsessed with master chef and chopped but we don't need to talk about that right now okay thank you for listening to me rant we're going to get into our discussion of star trek the next generation season six with jeff tapia this is the second half of our talk from last week and again i apologize for the poor audio quality i was live streaming and i couldn't get my main computer to work because i'm still i'm still struggling with that still trying to figure it out uh and i had to pipe in you know, shittier audio from my backup gear. So that's why it sounds a little funky. But the conversation, you know, you can still hear it. Conversation's intact, and I really hope you enjoy. Here we go. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Uh, next is, oh, I love this episode, Tapestry. Is this the one where Q kidnaps him and yeah. he's like a kid again? Yeah. And he's like dead. It's like, it's a wonderful life. But we know life. he can't be dead. Picard yeah. and Q. Yeah. After being attacked on an away mission, Picard dies and meets Q in the af- afterlife who offers him the chance to change a crucial moment in his history and prevent the mistakes he made in his youth. Right. Love it. It was a good one. Love it. It was a good one. I think that I don't like Q that much. And I don't forget the God character thing that I used to say. I think that I've grown past that. Yeah. 
because um, we have been doing this for a while and I think just as a person I'm like past that whole God character thing I just sure. don't think I like him as a character that much yeah I like him I dislike him as a character but I love him as a foil for Picard I love the way that he kind of forces Picard to reveal things about himself right. by being a mischievous fucker you right, know right, <laughs> right, 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 and then right. Picard is kind of forced to in this episode in particular forced to look at his own like mischievous impulses that he has kind of let go to be this very serious I did man. love finding out what a little flipper he was, he was. yeah totally yeah. <laughs> he's the exact opposite of what you'd expect yeah. him to be he was a little... he's like Captain Kirk when he was younger and he just kind of yeah. like mellowed out uh, a lot because of this experience where he gets stabbed in the heart he like, like mellows out and doesn't want to be you know this crazy risk taker anymore yeah um yeah, and it's so interesting, like he to, like to yeah. take that out of his life and then see that he just becomes this lieutenant commander who's like a science officer on the bridge, and he's wearing a blue uniform, which is another thing I and love. Everyone is when you see people wear the wrong yeah, colored uniform. It's so I love it. weird. Mr. Wolf, what is my rank position? You are Lieutenant Junior Grade, Assistant Astrophysics Officer. Are you feeling all right? Who is the captain of this ship? Captain Thomas Halloway. Perhaps I should escort you to sickbay. No, I can find my own way there. Thank you, Commander. And I love how, like, Picard is supposed to be, like, this spineless, kind of forgettable dude. Because he didn't get stabbed in the heart. Yeah, I. it's interesting, the idea that if he didn't take that chance, then he would be... He'd be a lame like, one. A coward forever. Yeah. Like, I don't buy any of that. You know, I feel like that was just I, Q. That's Q, though. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but I love it. As a story, it's like so compelling and watching this man that you've grown to love over six years, mm-hmm. like examine this aspect of his psyche that we never knew existed and, and see how it integrates into him as a person. Right. It's just such brilliant character writing. And like the reason that this is still my favorite show is because like the way that they intertwine the way things feel with like the future, you know, right. is so compelling to me. I just, you know, want to live in the future and live in the Star Trek universe so bad. And really, uh, me like, too. So well, yeah. and you feel it so much and especially in episodes like this. And I just, I love it. I fucking love it. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. That it's not be. up. It's not up there. It's not going to be a top for me, but that's mostly it's because definitely in my Q, top five now. Like, we're going to go back to the <laughs> Sure it is. Oh, shit. Birthright, part one, episode 16. At Deep Space Nine, Worf investigates reports that his father is still alive. An engineering accident causes Data to experience a vision of Dr. Soong. So, two things are happening. We're doing the crossover with Deep Space Nine. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then the other thing is Data is... Uh, is uh, dreaming the dream stuff yeah the dream stuff all right it's what do you so think good. i love the dream stuff yeah it's wait so before we dive tricky. into this colby asked if we were to embark on a mission in space which captain slash character would you prefer to lead the trip um i want to go on an adventure romp led by jordy the forge I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> i wrote a song about that when i, I want to be i want to be would it have to be a mission? Like, if I had, like, a dream thing that happened to me, it would be, like, it's in Star Trek, it would have to be, like, me with a small away team on some planet, like, trying to figure something out, like, trying to yeah. get out of a thing. Because I really liked the episode where it with Beverly, Riker, and Data, and Jordy's injured. 
Um, and that's when they're like fumigating the ship, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I would like to be on oh like something God. like that. That episode and, and, is so and, good. And like the episode, mine. Hold I on, I would like to, to take over Jordy's spot in that. So I, yeah. I think I would love to be like in that episode. Like you want to be in a room where you're held captive and you have to think of a way to get out of it. Yeah, <laughs> you want to be in an escape room for ambulance, basically. Yeah, but I wouldn't be. I would be with. Beverly and Riker Absolutely. and Data. <laughs> and you're safe with them. Yeah. My mission, I would want to go on some sort of uh, um, some sort of like one of those episodes where there's like an ancient civilization like uh, contagion that in season two. That is so two, like you. Where like, it's this crazy race where you have to find this artifact that's going to show you this technology. Right. There's another one like that in season seven, actually. Uh, and then there's the the... Is it the chase? I think in this season where there's another episode like that. So they do that a couple of times. I want to go on one of those. Yeah. But it's just like me, Jordy, Data, and Ensign Rowe. No. Yes. And Chief O'Brien. You are so weird. Those are weird people to pick. <laughs> That's ragtag shit, though. That would be a good episode. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like some stowaway, and like the end of the episode is that I'm inspired to join Starfleet. <laughs> After hanging out would with you, these people. be the hero or the guy helping the hero? I think we're both helping. the guy helping the hero. I want to be helping. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Totally. These are great uh, yeah, questions. Colby, Colby. Great questions. These well are done. fun. Yeah. Well done. So, okay. So, how do we feel? Let's talk about these two things. We've got the crossover with Deep Space Nine. So, for me, the big deal about that was that Deep Space Nine hasn't been remastered on HD. So, to get to see. Deep Space Nine itself, the sh- like the space station in HD and like all of its glory was so exciting yeah, for me. It was, was so really exciting. cool. I was really. Um, I haven't seen Deep Space Nine yet, but um, I did know what was happening yeah. because at this point, no, it hasn't happened yet. But there's a doctor that is on Deep Space Nine, right? A doctor. Yeah, I think Dr. Bashir. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I'm like starting to see that they're starting to do like the crossover universe yeah. stuff. That guy from is the main doctor in D Space Nine. The guy who's yes. in this episode. I knew yeah. that somehow. I yeah. think you must have told me that or something. But Maybe. Yeah. Because I've never seen a single episode. Oh, of interesting. Space. So yeah. that's your introduction to D Space Nine. Yeah. Right? So I'm Dr. like Bashir's excited. Awesome. I love I'm really Dr. excited because it gives me that feeling that I got when Buffy and Angel started running together. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. Well, yeah, these uh, these shows were running concurrently yeah. this year. I love stuff Season like 6 that. is when that happened. So like, I Space kind of want to start year. just watching Deep Space Nine. You should, absolutely. Um, but we'll see. But I want to get to... I, I love wanna, to do episode 100. I want to get episode 100, so I think I'm going to concentrate so on that. Yeah. There isn't any more uh, real crossover besides what you've already that's seen. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. But, um, uh, but, in Deep, but there is crossover on the Deep Space Nine side where you get to see... Uh, something happened with Picard in it in the very first episode oh, cool. from Cisco's point of view. And you get to see, uh, I think when this episode happened, I think you saw an episode of Deep Space Nine where the Enterprise was parked there. So I think that like you saw that in both episodes, if I'm remembering correctly. I might be wrong about that. I'm not sure. Uh, you see the you see Deep Space Nine on both episodes? Is that what you're I think you, I think the, the crossover went both ways, where on Deep Space Nine you saw the Enterprise parked oh, there. Oh, okay. I think. I'm not, I can't remember that for sure. That sounds like uh, Evan that they says, should have done. Knowing the answer to your question regarding tapestry is beyond the parameters that I have uh, <laughs> that have been set within boundaries of my positronic matrix. Dude, I think Evan's an android. You should get that looked at. <laughs> Because I feel like you're supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, totally. So I mean, I couldn't do it. 
Just saying. But I'm just a human. Yeah. I feel like an android should be. You are a human. Human. <laughs> and then, the, uh, oh yeah. So what else was happening there? So oh, Worf, Worf is investigating reports Worf, that his father's yeah, alive. Yeah, and then he gets imprisoned. Yeah. yeah. But and, it's oh, like a really a nice prison. Yeah. yeah. Right? Where there's like a, a sexy Klingon woman that he falls that for. That he falls for. And they're yeah. like in love, like right away, which my, I wish would yeah. ever happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's part two of this, which is a really interesting episode. Which will well let's let's read the let's other talk about part. this first. No, read the you other part. Okay, we'll do it all at once. We'll read the other part. Yeah, that that's well what for, we did for the other one. Yeah, I liked it. Let's do it again. Yeah. Part two is that in your, in the Romulan prison camp, Worf teaches the Klingon children about their culture. So Worf gets captured at the end of this episode because he goes to this planet looking for his father, mm-hmm. uh, Moog, who might still be alive after the Kittimer massacre, but in actuality is not but was at this camp and yeah. there's this whole like society of Klingons there that have kind of forgotten what it is to be Klingon because they've kind of fallen well, the in love parents with their captors have, a little bit yeah they and got all Stockholm like, with what it means to be Klingon but yeah. it makes sense that they the reasons that they stayed make sense to me because in their culture like they're disgraced so there's really nothing out there for them yeah you know they I could you know rather than die just live in comfort with like your new like Romulan husband and like you know <laughs> or yeah. whatever like fine whatever I do enjoy that they let the kids go yeah if they wanted to but I think the daughter stayed I think that the way that they wrapped it up was really yeah. great I think they did a cool thing with that, that I good. loved seeing all these Klingons learn about their culture and sing their own songs for the first time Bagda tumo shoja duro yaja ke o yaja ke o I, I really have a soft spot for these Klingon episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, just like I know you love Klingon stuff. The culture of it like kind of reminds me, like nothing about the violent nature of Klingons, but just like the the songs of the we Klingons. we might Evan we might Ooh. get more episodes, uh, D Space Nine episodes. We'll see how we feel about it yeah i'm down if you're down you I, let me know i'm pretty i think i'm down yeah it's gonna de- probably depend on whether or not deep space nine speaks to you and you want yeah to watching i it. guess i'll just like watch a few episodes and then we'll decide but i yeah. have a good feeling about it because i heard it's more soap opera-y which yeah, i'm there. super into it takes a few years to get yeah. there though but it does get there if you were stuck in a jail cell when a mission goes bad who do you think you'd want to be in there with i would want to be in there with data that dude from season two who was like genetically modified who broke out of jail oh that goober <laughs> you, you had a big crush on that guy right yeah, yeah. that goober well, i don't remember his name <laughs> you've seen this one. Oh, cool awesome. awesome katie's still hanging in there yeah so um, what about data's dreams data's um, dreams are so cool i think it's pretty cool it it's is like so cool really weird that i enjoy it's like oh my gosh androids don't dream of electric sheep they dream of <laughs> they dream, they of, dream their, their of crows, crows and, crows and, and their anvils. fathers and anvils and all this stuff and i do like how they wrapped it up because i was like wow he's like is he really learning to dream and i got really excited but it was software that his dad left in there yeah it like triggered this software so that all of a sudden he could experience the doctor's like experiment accidentally yeah. hit data and it, it like triggered, triggered it early early like he he yeah. was supposed to develop to the point where he'd start dreaming naturally but uh-huh. he was triggered early which i thought was really interesting yeah kind of saying that data's development is is nowhere near complete nowhere near complete like he is nowhere an adolescent in yeah. android years yeah um which is something that we'll talk about absolutely because there's another the episode yeah yeah uh yeah, I like I like both halves of this. I feel like it doesn't feel like a two-parter to me. It feels like two distinct episodes. Yeah. But 
I really enjoy them both. I think the first half is maybe a little stronger than the second half. Well, maybe not stronger, but like more enter- entertaining. I think it's yeah. more of a romp, and this and I love that. So then the second half is more kind of like a slow, dramatic episode, and that felt like a weird juxtaposition to me right. to have those episodes be paired. But that's mm-hmm. my only complaint. I like them both. You know, yeah. I think if you'd make it not a two-parter and just individual episodes where they happened to hand off the torch from the end of one to the next, I would right. like yeah. both episodes more. Totally. They could have made the content of each one more relevant to itself, so it's a little more cohesive. So yeah, Colby again, thinks, that's my problem with two parters. You know, yeah, it's Colby thinks that uh, an android dreaming would have to be programmed and not natural. I could see it going either way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like if if you think about, I like think our that was brains, kind of the point of the end of the episode where it w- did it end up being gonna, software. Yeah. So it was know? software, but he was supposed to develop into it. And what does that mean? You know? Yeah, I don't know. And at the same time, like if that software wasn't there, could he develop into it without it? Because his brain is constantly writing all these like heuristic algorithms right. and, and nonsense. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's like the yeah. old debate that we've been talking about since season one. Does Data actually have emotions? But yeah, he doesn't, dude, he does. But he doesn't qualify them the way that we do. Yeah. He just doesn't know. He doesn't have the language for them, which is something we find yeah. out later. Yeah, um, totally. And that's this yeah. is something that I've been dying to talk to you about. Yeah. We'll get to it at the end of this episode. Which is the emotion chip and all that stuff. You mean this uh, season? This podcast episode, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, next is episode 19, Lessons. I love this one. Picard... He makes out with that girl. <laughs> yeah. Picard Bra- falls in love with one of his subordinates, but he can't deal with having to order her into dangerous situations. And he love sends it. her away. No, she decides to she leave. She decides to leave, yeah. Because she's dope and nobody tells her what to do. I feel like of all of the women that we've seen Picard with, like Vash and Vash, I feel like this girl is the right match for him. Yeah, you know? she was cool. Yeah. And I feel like... It's just a bummer that they were both like, no, we're both going to pick our careers by... Yeah, it yeah. speaks a lot to their characters. <laughs> uh, it's really interesting. I think that anyone... I, I feel like it can speak to a lot of people. Like, if you've ever fallen in love with someone who it feels like it's taking you away from what you want with your life... Yeah. I think that's very difficult. And I'm I... sure, yeah. It seemed like in this uh, in this situation, it might have been timing, maybe, that was bad. But I think that for both of these characters... I think for Picard, the only way that he can really get married is if it's someone who's not in Starfleet. Yeah. And, like, lives... It may be a teacher who lives on the ship or it something. It would have to be. I don't yeah. think he could be married to somebody who works with him because anyone that he's going to be attracted to is going to be too driven to be kept. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Like this woman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think it's really, really cool. Yo, Jermaceon, welcome. Totally if a change of pace be, tonight. If you had to be romantic with a character, who would it be? Data. Data. That's a good question. It's always data for me. It's just always going to be data. Uh, I'm like 100% Counselor Troy in a fistful of datas. Yes. <laughs> that is optimal Troy. Yeah. That's it's optimal Troy. Optimal Troy. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what it means. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I love this episode. I, I love the music in this episode. That's what really sets this one apart to me mm-hmm. is that um, yeah. I as a musician, I feel like they captured the feeling of sharing music with a romantic partner yeah. better in this episode than I've seen in anything else. Right. And that's so cool. They bring back that Resican flute music 
from the inner light that I adore. Like, I, that's one of my favorite melodies. And their cute little rendition of Frere Jacques. It's so cute. They're like oh, in the Jeffries tube playing it. music for each so other. It's good. so good. So snappy, so good. I love it. Yeah. I love this episode. Uh, it's really sad. It's got great dramatic tension and like yeah. a sad ending. But overall, brilliantly written. I love it. I love that they do like drama sometimes and tragedy sometimes yeah it's like a minor tragedy in the scheme of the universe of star trek that these two people can't be together but but it feel you feel it because like you love their their bond so much yeah the episode. i totally. love it i think it's great and i love her little uh piano that's yeah, just like the a one pad. from big yeah <laughs> i thought the same thing last time we saw that piano <laughs> tom hanks was dancing on it <laughs> i was like that wouldn't work right yeah. it might Totally. If I enter in the future. Totally. Um, the chase was tedious to me. The chase? Yeah. Picard tries to finish his old archaeology teacher's monumental last mission, solving a puzzle that leads humans, Romulans, Klingons, and Cardassians to the secret of life in the galaxy, revealing the origin of humanoid life. Yeah. And also kind of retconning why everyone in this galaxy kind of looks like a human. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is bizarre. It's, it's about panspermia. Panspermia, yes. yeah, in the galaxy. That's, you know, it's yeah. cool. Yum. <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, I know. Yeah. We we're close. We're almost there. Yeah, no, no, we're good. Yeah. I'm fine. Uh, but yeah, it was just a little tedious to me. I don't particularly remember much about it. It's a nice message. It's cool, but. Yeah. I um, I thought that was a real b-hole move on the archaeologist's part. To, yeah. You know. Like to pressure Picard into going yeah. with him. Yeah. It's yeah, that was a weird jerk. story. I felt uncomfortable with the whole yeah. story about Picard's mentor coming back and not being an understanding person and then dying. <laughs> they had to do it that way so that the... So Picard would be motivated to go on his quest. And also so that the um, the whole ship would be able to go on this mission. You know what I mean? Yes. I Because otherwise it was just like a personal a thing. perspective, like yeah. why they did it. Yeah. Yes, that's what I mean story-wise. Yeah. Like, I get that... Yeah, um, totally. But, uh, you know, it just didn't really yank my chain. Yeah, I, I actually kind of feel you on this one. I like this yeah. episode just fine, but this is one that I didn't see as a kid. The first, mm-hmm. there was like two or three episodes in the whole series that I'd never seen when I bought the series on DVD when I was in my early 20s. Uh-huh. And I'd been watching the show since I was like four years old, I think. So I was shocked to find out there was episodes I hadn't seen. Yeah. Uh, this was one of them. And it's kind of a big deal for the universe of Star Trek to say that there's this progenitor race right. that all of these species come from. But... But what does it's it like change? big news that changes nothing that they don't yeah, talk about. Yeah. Like, I don't think they ever mention this again, like in the rest of Star Trek canon. And it just seems like retconning like to me. Like nobody cared. Yeah, like I don't need to know why all the species look kind of similar and yeah. have two arms and two legs and, and foreheads and stuff yeah. of vari- various varieties. Like I don't need to know that. It I, feels, I don't like yeah. that kind of retconning, you know? Yeah, it, f- it feels lazy. But I did enjoy it. I did like the romp nature of like going on an adventure, like that sort of Hitchhiker's Guide style. We're going throughout right. the galaxy looking for shit. Uh, I, they could have done more with that. Though. I agree. I feel like they did not reach that the would have been the strength of that episode. And they yeah. didn't. If if the archaeologist they glossed dude had over been it, this, like, fun character, and there's and some set other them on reason, this wacky and journey. Going yeah, and they played by like John Lithgow or yeah. something. <laughs> Classic. Would have been great. Would've that would have been so I'm kind good. Of perpetually upset that John Lithgow wasn't in that episode. No, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey motherfucking Grammer. No. Because Kelsey Grammer's already been on the show before. I know. 
And maybe because like his ship was stuck in the past for so long, he decided he didn't want to be a captain anymore, so he went to archaeology, and then he comes back. I've already written the episode. It's already written. I need guess to fix that it makes and remake sense. It. But you it could easily so just take the but Kelsey Grammer has to be. You could easily it. take that same concept and let's raise a million dollars and make this John Lithgow or whatever. Yeah, but it's I be see Kelsey Lithgow Grammer. in this. I see him more as a wacky. Oh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey motherfucking grammar. I can see your grammar boner from here. I got a hard on for, yeah. <laughs> for some for some beast. <laughs> Frame of mind. Riker thinks he is losing his mind when reality keeps shifting between an alien hospital and the Enterprise where he is rehearsing a play. This is messed up. It's fucking crazy. It is so messed up, dude. Yeah. This episode is scary. Riker is like finds himself in this insane asylum basically on another planet that we don't recognize and right. can't decide if he's crazy or or if like this is all an imagination imaginary scenario based off of a play that he's rehearsing. Yeah. So he's rehearsing this play and basically the same thing keeps happening like the thing he Reality keeps happening keeps breaking. Yeah, it keeps breaking yeah. apart and it gets very scary for him and they even try to rescue him at one point. Yeah, which is all But he was undercover. He was under deep cover and then they didn't want to let him go, right? That's right. He was under He got caught under deep cover. He got caught under deep cover. So what's actually happened is he he was caught under deep car- cover. And then um, they like wiped his mind with some drugs and tried to convince him that he was insane to mm-hmm. get information out of him about the Enterprise. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's then, what happened. Like, there's this rescue mission. They come and get him out and bring him back to the ship. Uh, and he's back to reality. So the whole thing was real the whole time. And they used the play to kind of frame it all with their fake mind right. control stuff. It's very frightening. Uh sort of plot that like being in Starfleet means that maybe someone will kidnap you and use your own memory to torture you into revealing but secrets about your being friends. in Starfleet he had a strong enough mind that yeah. to, that's why his brain kept trying to mess with the scenario yeah. and like try to wake him up by like making things suddenly not make sense you know what I mean totally so like his brain kept being like no dude this isn't real like yeah gotta snap out of it man yeah and as the audience <laughs> my problem with this episode it's the same problem I have when like Buffy did this when Smallville did this when they try to convince characters they're in an insane asylum and the whole like series that we've been watching for six years is like imaginary in that one character's mind yeah we've seen the whole series like we've seen so the whole there's series nothing happen. at stake right there's nothing like, really at stake buffy's the only one that actually left it open to interpretation where maybe it is actually all in her mind which I is kind of so. cool yeah but uh like in smallville smallville actually did you see the episode of Smallville where they did this? No, Clark I didn't. Kent was in an insane asylum, and the the one of the clues for him, uh, or like one of the clues was that he was making everything up, was that his soap was named Jor-El, which is his father's name. Yeah. So on Krypton, so they're like Jor, yeah. All the things from Krypton were all stuff that he'd seen in real life and made up to be from Krypton, and the soap was the one, like Jor-El soap. I thought that was so funny. Like that's just like <laughs> such a hilarious name for soap. Uh, yeah. Like Purell. Colby says you'd think the, with a ship that can travel faster than light, you would have better armor and less threats of death. Well, how much do you think they can carry around, dude? I mean, yeah, it's a good point, but also like, how much can you prepare for when you're running into and technically all of these they're not even like supposed to be a battleship, right? Right, they're a ship of exploration. They yeah. kind of walk around with their front door unlocked. Yeah, they're that type of people. Yeah, that they're does sound dangerous, neighbors. but you know that's yeah. part of their thing. Like, if you try to break into my house, I'm going to lock my door and shoot you with a photon torpedo. But Jeez, dude. Well, I'm star- I'm being starfleet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't have photon torpedoes. I was going to say, how? Okay, next up, we got Suspicions, episode 22. Dr. Crusher violates Starfleet regulations and medical ethics when she investigates the death of a Ferengi scientist. Dope. 
I liked this one a lot. Yeah. It was really cool. And they figured out how to go into the sun. Yeah. They got that metaphasic shield to work. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I. But they wanted, yeah. she just wanted people to stop being so freaking racist. Yeah. And like, yeah. and like, she's like, so what? He's a Ferengi scientist. He figured out this amazing thing and you guys are being total jerks about it. Yeah. And like, then it, then he died and it became very important to her to like, be it's like, listen, chase. you racist it's weirdos. It's the same story as the chase. <laughs> Why is it so much cooler? It's way cooler this time. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. metaphasic shielding is awesome. You yeah. Can fly really close to the sun. They can breach the corona. Yeah. That's that crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my one thing with this episode that I think holds it back a little bit is the framing of the story plot device where Dr. Crusher is like hanging out with Guinan and telling her what happened. Uh, I would have just preferred to see it happen, I think. At that point, the doubts of the others seemed justified. I had no idea what had gone wrong or how seriously Dr. Jobril had been injured. But I knew this incident could destroy Rega's chance to be accepted by the scientific community. I think I would have just preferred to see the story progress linearly. Oh, you don't like that, the storytelling device. Got it. Because the only reason they did that is so that the first, like the cold open could have this cliffhanger of her saying she's not in Starfleet anymore. Yeah, but now we know there are no stakes again. Exactly. Like, I didn't didn't buy those stakes at all. If it was happening in the episode, I might have bought it, you know? Right. Right. I never would have bought it. But if it was happening in the episode, I think it would have been closer to me buying it than otherwise. So that that story device, the way it was framed, I feel like kind of did a disservice to the story right. a little bit. I can see that. But I love Crusher's And it was kind of cheesy because like Guinan... She's like she, jabbing to Guinan in this cheesy but, way. But yeah. no, it's not just that. Like the ending, like the wrap up. She's like, well, I got you a new tennis racket. And Guinan's like, I don't play tennis. Wah, wah. Yeah. You know, like... Oh, There's you kooky girl. Making up some excuse yeah. to come, like, trick you into talking yeah. about your feelings again. <laughs> Crazy, shifty Guinan. I love her so much. Yeah, me too. I love Guinan. I love that it's always, her only goal ever is to get you to talk about your feelings. Yeah, that's dope. And she's so good at it. She's I mean, a good friend. Troy's there for that too, but I feel like Guinan's even better at, yeah. at it. Guinan is, <laughs> yo, Paula, what's up? Uh, Guinan says that <laughs> Guinan... I can't say it. It's so funny I can't ship. say it. Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> Paula says that Guinan is the ship's Jiminy Cricket. That's so funny. Prison on the Edge of a Black Hole. Sick idea. Yeah, that's yeah, a totally. cool idea. That was a great idea. Yeah. It was cool. That part like of the that. episode was cool. Uh, yeah, I like this episode. I It's it's so rare that we get a Crusher episode. And yeah. I, I want like... I wish I could get, you know, two or three episodes for everyone per season. This this Th- this is something that's hard for this show to work yeah, on. Yeah. This think. season though, like, has them doing some really cool stuff too though. And like mm-hmm. Crushers mm-hmm. is like had to relieve the captain of duty when he became a kid. Yeah. And like, you know, she she had you know, just stuff like that. Like, I don't know. She like um like I just love that they've been doing more yeah, like, and official she, stuff. She takes command, but I think that's next season. That's, that's the first episode next season, right? That you watched? Yes, and we're going to talk about it. I don't care if it's the next season well, because I love it We're going to talk much. about it tonight. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go one episode over yeah. and we'll, we'll, touch, we'll remind people what we said next time. But yeah, we're we'll going to go one episode previously over because, on. Uh, Jeff has watched yeah. the first episode of season seven and I want to talk about it. Because I was so sucked in and I didn't realize it was yeah. happening because of Netflix continuous play. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love, that makes me really yeah. happy. Actually. <laughs> I just want everyone to love this show with all of their hearts. Uh, okay, next up we got Rightful Air. At the Klingon Monastery on Boreth, 
Uh, Worf sees a very real vision of Kaelas the Unforgettable. And it, because it is him. the Unforgettable. So yeah, Kaelas reappears. Kaelas is like basically Klingon Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, He's their messiah. Right off the bat, I love the fact that this starts with Worf going on a religious retreat to get back in touch with his religious side that he feels like he's lost touch with. Right. Such an interesting thing to do with the character because no one else on the ship is religious that we've right. ever seen. And actually, it's kind of presented as a post-religion society. So I love the fact that uh, like Worf's religion was still very respected. And very much intact yeah. for most of the their race. Yeah, and yeah. He, he gets to go, you know... On this retreat, he gets to take time off to go to this mm-hmm. monastery and hang out and like pray for visions of Kaelas, yeah. who does eventually appear through some science mumbo jumbo. Well, he's just—it's cloned. Yeah, he's, he's cloned. cloned. Yeah, <laughs> they found like the, they found the original DNA of Kaelas yeah. somehow on the knife, on the knife, the ancient. Oh, knife. on the sword of Kaelas. Yeah, that's dude. right. <laughs> Fuck yeah, <laughs> filling in my memory holes. Thank you. <laughs> like yeah, totally. bones took less crap than Crusher does. I've never seen that show. Uh, yeah, Bones is the doctor on the original series. Bones oh, gave so much crap to everyone that no one had a chance to give him crap. So I agree. I agree with your statement. Yeah, I think that's true. Cool. Paula, I'm stoked that you're hanging out. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, so they, there was the blood on the ancient knife or whatever, and they clone him, and they have to figure out, like, because half of they're like scared because half of society is going to believe that it's Kalis and the other half is going to be like this is nonsense and it's going to cause like war and stuff because yeah. Klingons are so I posted about this on Facebook this is when I posted about oh, it oh cool they are so dramatic they like, are calm I was down. wondering which episodes you were on <laughs> that's calm awesome down, bye swag dude. thanks for hanging out have a good day bye. bye yeah um yes yeah. calm down yeah just like <laughs> calm down dude it's fine uh, but they figure it out. They're like, yeah. okay, well, we'll just tell people the truth and just assure them that trust us. Like, f- this is for all intents and purposes, Kalis, and he's good at like uniting people. So just let him be the emperor and rule the people, and all of the real decisions will be yeah. made by like the make him the queen the of parliament England. or whatever. Yeah, yeah the clone of Kalis is now the queen of England of 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 of, 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 of Klingon England. Klingon England. So Klingland. like Klingland. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I I like it. I think that it was. It was really a cool well idea. Written. It was well yeah. written. It was interesting. You know, totally. I just don't really care for much for Klingon centric episodes. I think yeah. either. I think uh, at this point in the series, I'm into. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into it. I like the backstory about the Klingons. I I like that the Klingons are very anachronistic in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're so like stuck in their ways and stuck in the past while being this kind of warring spacefaring society i just think it's so interesting there's so many you know things that don't seem to make sense on the surface but when you look at them aggressive like the way and like that aggression yeah building (laughs) building that aggression into the the culture of the society i think is so fascinating yeah where that aggression really kind of dictates how a lot of the society is run and there's so much respect and honor and you know all of that tied down to that aggression because I, I think that they, they know that they're a hot-headed people. Like, the Romulans are a hot-headed people. Yeah. They run hot as people, emotionally. So they've developed this way to, like, expel those feelings as Klingons, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what it is to be a Klingon, is, like, this whole kind of polite society of killing each other. Yeah, but it's um, like... Uh... And it's, like, the only thing that works for them, because they're such an aggressive people. Whereas yeah. the Romulans have, like, resorted to, you know, all this, like, subterfuge and lying and deceit and 
all this stuff, and it, they seem like such a negative race. Right. Whereas the Klingons actually seem very like a positive race in a lot well, of ways. There's, even though there's so, corruption, though. Yeah, they're very corrupt. But like the but the spiritual side of of the people seems like very intact. Yeah. But you're right. Sure. Like the the governmental aspects are bonkers and yeah. ridiculous, and it gets even crazier in, in Deep Space Nine. All right, moving on. Are we good? Are we good? Yeah, totally. Second chances, season six, episode twenty-four. The Enterfri- Enterprise. The I'm Enterprise so pines a <laughs> pines a second Will Riker. The Enterprise finds a second Will Riker on a planet that he helped evacuate eight years ago. So that freaking teleporter did a thing, right? Yeah, we got an accidental yeah. clone of Will Riker, uh, which we come to refer to as Thomas by the end of this episode. Yeah, because it's his middle or name. By the middle of this episode, yeah, because yeah, yeah, totally, because it's his middle name. So no, it's by the end of the episode. Oh, you're right. It is the end. Yeah. 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 Spoiler alert. He comes back in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Thomas Riker. Cool. Yeah. He's up to some shit. Let me tell you. Don't say anything. I won't. Um, I love this episode. It's a good one. I, I like it. I like seeing him and Troy together again. I love it. It picks up a story thread that was dropped in season one. Yeah. You know, like the, the story thread of Imzadi and Riker and Troy and what was happening there. And then you meet this version of of Riker who didn't give, uh, like again give up on love for his career yeah and the the thought that held him together while he was stuck on this planet alone was, was Counselor, Counselor Troy. Troy it's a yeah. beautiful love story and she's like uh, 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 and yeah. really like go for it girl she's like okay what the heck she's like totally into it yeah and like and reawakens like, as part of her yeah. into it yeah and it's so interesting to see that our Riker that we've been watching on the show for six years is you know like one or two like really one decision away from having this like epic love with Troy and I think that he right. fucked up yeah I think that like the story of Riker is that like throughout the run of the show he doesn't like he, he keeps making choices to better himself in the way that he thinks that his career is supposed to go right but they're wrong for him you know right like, like he, he didn't take his own command totally yeah, and I think that's him starting to accept the fact that maybe he shouldn't be in charge. You know, maybe. I yeah. think that like, when we meet the character, he's on this upward trajectory where he's been like working up through the ranks really quickly. He's really young for a commander. Yeah. They offer him a captaincy really fast, and I think that some sort of like like self doubt creeps into him at that uh-huh. point. Yeah. But before that self doubt is when he breaks up with Troy because he's on this cr- career trajectory. Yeah, when totally. He's a commander, like that's when he. I think it's because of his promotion that he. That's why breaks up he with got. Troy, isn't that's it? exactly why. Yeah. He he got off of the ship that they had evacuated, and it made this copy of yeah. him that is still like from that moment. He just spends all of those years on that ship, right? right. And so, and then mean, right after meanwhile, that, yeah, yeah. So meanwhile, the, our Riker has gotten back from the from the evacuation, and everything, and then he gets offered a new position, and he's right. like, "Oh, you know, I know we said we were going to go on vacation or yeah, whatever, that's it, that's it. but like, I got to do this thing." And yeah. Troy's like, "Wow, you really want this?" And I'm really chill, like, go for it because I have my career too. But that's kind yeah. of a bummer. But maybe like, our, but maybe our careers are taking us away from being together yeah exactly and Riker is the one who kind of initializes that yeah um and I read this book when I was like oh I did a book on tape called Imzadi when I was a kid that was all about their love story oh my god cute I know it's ridiculous (laughs) so anyway picking that story thread up now and it's seamless it's like a seamless continuation of that story that I always wondered about yeah it's satisfied this is this is like paying off like the way Game of Thrones Season seven paid off for me where like the story threads from years and years ago come back that you thought they'd never talk about again. I, I love Is that, that what happened? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was yeah. great. I loved it. It was so good. 
We stayed in Ten Forward talking for hours. Then what happened? He walked me to my quarters. Then what happened? Beverly, I'm just asking. And then he goes. He goes to a different ship to do different things. And yeah. And then what happened at the end? Was it left like... Like she, Thomas wanted to be with Troy and she said no, right? She said no. Yeah. Yeah, I think she said no because she was like, this is just going to happen again. And like, I cannot with you. You're yeah. just going to make that decision again, basically. Yeah. And I can't. Yeah. With that. Because I'm not done on the Enterprise. I'm not going with you because I'm not done here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so interesting because she made the choice that he made yeah. to her years ago. But once you've broken trust with someone like that, yeah, it's it's, all, it's so hard to get it back. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, Even though it was a different Riker. Because yeah. once you split from your clone, like you're a different person. Like Absolutely. immediately. No question. You know? Like, My clone and I definitely agree with you. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a different person. So like that there is that argument. Like, well, would he do that now? Like he's grown into a different person. But he's also been kind of stuck on a ship, you know, for many, many yeah. years in this one state of being. I yeah. mean, you know. I think that our Riker, Will Riker, I think is more mature than Thomas Riker because... Yeah, totally. Oh, Will, and they like fought. Oh, yeah. They did I not think like each Will other. Will Riker like made the mistake of leaving Troy and I think that he regrets it. I think yeah. that like deep down he feel, he knows he fucked up. Yeah. Uh, which we'll talk about later mm-hmm. when we get into the movies. But... <laughs> cool. Um... Yeah, I, I feel like Thomas Riker pining after Troy started pining after a version that didn't exist anymore. Right. And was kind of kept in this sort of immature state because of it. Well, yeah, he's got to be a little emotionally stunted just because he like didn't really have any interaction for so many years. Yeah, totally. And that's not his fault. Yeah, it's yeah. not. You got to talk to a computer forever. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? Paula says, but she could tell if he was lying to himself about what he really wanted. Yeah, maybe that's true. So... If you're lying to yourself and you believe it, are you lying? Do you feel like you're lying? Do you have the emotions of a liar? I don't know. But I think that Troy would be able to feel his love. Yo, Adam, what's up? This is my friend Jeff. We're talking about Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I think that she'd be able to feel both things, like how much he loved her and how much he wanted his career. Yeah. And how, uh, But she could feel how torn he was also, and I bet it made it easier for her to understand. But... And, and forgive eventually, which is why they could be friends. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that feeling his interest in his career move away from his interest in her or, or supersede his interest in her must have been so painful. Right. right. Yeah. For her. So I think that she like she probably has more of like a scar that's healed over to be friends with him than he does. I would I would imagine. And how much was know, just guilt? How much was just guilt? I know this is the type of shit I want to talk yeah. about. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. How does Riker I don't know. feel, man? I don't know, man. I, I yeah. think the right thing happened. Yeah, I think it was like brilliantly written. I do think it the added, right thing happened. It like kind of added in a little bit of sexual tension back into the relationship yeah. with Riker. Yeah, because, you know, she got to get up on that. Yeah, she got <laughs> she got some, uh, some Thomas. Yeah. Maybe she wants some Will, too. Who yeah. knows? Will He's Bod. the same person, kind of. Mm, sort of. I also love, as a sci-fi story, like one person or two people with one childhood and like young adulthood. I think right. that that's such a cool idea. I'd like to see right. Next uh, up, episode twenty-five, Timescape. 
Aboard a runabout, Picard, Data, LaForge, and Troy encounter time distortions. They also discover the Enterprise frozen in time seconds away from destruction. Dope. This one's so dope. So good. I'm glad we agree on this one. Yeah, this one is so good. Um, All of the impressions that they were doing at the beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't even believe that's in here. Yeah. Just good. Talking, talking <laughs> in one long uninterrupted sentence. And um, uh, Troy's impression of that guy that was like hitting on her, like that professor or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was really funny. Hello, Diane. I understand you're an empath. <laughs> I'm a very sensitive man myself. I'm doing a thesis on interspecies mating rituals. Would you care to join me in some empirical research? (laughs) That's a very good impression of Dr. Mizan. How did you know? He's notorious, but he really is an expert on interspecies mating practices. Did you help him with his research, counselor? Great character stuff. Um, (laughs) Keiko was on the shuttle with them, right? It's just oh, data. Oh, no, it's not. It's not no, it's I'm, just thinking data. Of, I'm thinking of Rascals. No. Yeah. No, Picard, Data, LaForge, and Troy. Yeah. That's right. I, uh, hey, Evan's got to go. Dude, Bye, thanks Evan. for hanging out. My hair and music rock. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, your shaving glasses are fucking A. Thank Live you. Live long and prosper. You too, dude. Thanks you for too, hanging man. out with us. Thanks I appreciate a lot. it. Have a good night. Yeah. And yeah, you'll be able to hear the rest of this later. Yeah. On the podcast. <laughs> What are we talking about? We're talking about timescape. Yeah, so they find all these time distortion bubbles, oh, right? And then yeah. they track down the Enterprise and they see it's Romulan like the center shit. Of these time distortion bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Love like, you too, dude. In the middle of like lasering. Yeah. Stuff. Like tr- uh, Crusher has like a, a blaster wound in her chest. Yeah, so she's like, she's like in the process gonna of die. dying. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah, so I, I love this episode. I really like the episodes where they turn the ship off or they freeze the ship or something like right. that where yeah. no one else knows you're there or something like that and mm-hmm. you are exploring the ship with impunity because that's kind of something I always wanted to do like you know remember that episode um, the next phase where Ro and Jordy were like quote unquote dead yes from last season yes I do yeah, remember it reminded that. me a little of that it also reminded me a little disaster from season four where the ship is broken and turned off and everyone's running around trying to fix it yeah I love stuff just like seeing that. the ship in a different state than it usually exactly. is in that, every episode totally. is very Thank exciting you. yeah so like I, I love this episode because um, I love this group of people yeah um together Picard, data laforge and that's Troy. like i, I really group. have been digging the the configurations of like people yeah, some, like in this show in this season that's part of what's so refreshing about this season they're very cool like configurations of different like people in the crew hanging out yeah um so this one's really good uh troy's really bringing it again at this point in the series like just such a good character i love her in this one as well um and I love data as always, but, uh, but yeah, they get, they, so it turns out that there's like, they're in the middle of this power transfer because they're essentially trying to give the Romulan ship a jump, right? Well, no, they're evacuating the Romulan ship. They are trying to give the Romulan ship the ship a jump, but what they don't realize is that because there's some There's weird, babies. There's weird There's babies in their in their fake time reactor right. core. They have some experimental thing. piece of technology yes. that's opened up a portal to like another 
time dimension or something like that. Yeah, like another like sub level in time or whatever. And so yeah. there are these babies and so they're trying to incubate, but it's going to kill them because the, yeah. it's not chill for them to be in there. Totally. So they're it's like a gravity they're accidentally thing. Killing yeah, they're accidentally killing babies. They're killing babies. And, and then like, the Romulans, it looks like they're attacking our crew, but they're actually not. It's they're, really they're, interesting. The, the Romulans are being evacuated. They're trying to save the Romulans, yeah. right? But then you see one Romulan that's like shooting at Beverly so they think that half the Romulans are like it's kind of a mystery they're trying to figure out why they're evacuating the Romulan ship and at the same time why are the Romulans attacking the people on their crew totally and it I turns it. out that yeah. it's just people it's not what you think <laughs> from from the sub from that sub time area right that they're ba- it's like the adults coming to try to save their babies so they're like shooting people to try to like get them to stop the power transfer it's that's so gonna cool. kill their children which they totally yeah. ripped off in voyager with this episode on the holodeck where they have photonic beings from like a photonic realm who gets hi cherish who are like kind of real on the holodeck and are being killed somehow yeah uh, um I've this never also seen has voyager, like that but... insane moment where picard gets like some sort of weird like hysteria he and gets like, it's like getting the bends when you're diving bends, yeah yeah like time, he's not like supposed to be he's out of time yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's adorable and he's like cracking up like drawing the yeah. face and they're like dude are you on drugs it's so cute and like they so they have to go back to the ship to their own time yeah um in order to like not get sick so there's like a whole time sickness thing so now they have to figure things out in like 10 minute bursts or else they're gonna like get sick yeah it's a really cool, puzzly, like complicated episode, and I really, really like it. And I like yeah. the way the crew works together. I like the technology in it. Like this is what I want to see. This is what yeah, I absolutely. like. This is what I like out of Star Trek. Like absolutely. I'm not a big fan of. I still like these episodes. Like everything that I said that I'm not a fan of so far doesn't mean that I don't like it. It's just not going to be my favorite stuff. You know, like time right. travel episodes never going to be my favorite. I love it. Uh, ancient civilization episodes too it. close to time travel, so I don't like it. Love it. You know, like as much. But um, <laughs> but this is what I want to see out of Star Trek. Like cool. this really highly futuristic stuff. Like you run into something crazy in space that does yeah. a crazy thing that you don't expect. I love yeah. that. I, I love, love stuff that. like that. I'm all about that. Totally. Flashbacks are my least favorite. It says it's me, Paula. I agree. Flashbacks. Yeah. Flashbacks. Except I love them in Lost. Well, I love them in the first couple seasons. Anyway. It depends on the show. I mean, I yeah. love time travel in Doctor Who. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, what that show is. Totally. Damn, I'm gonna pick up some Doctor Who when I get home today. Nice. I think. It's be dope. <laughs> the new companion Bill is awesome. You're gonna love her. Yeah, she's so great. I want to see her. All right, moving on. I think this is the finale. Yep, finale. Descent. Oh, <laughs> so good. Uh, the black and white flashbacks are ew. Yeah, totally. That's cheap, That's and true. don't let anyone tell you black and white is classic. It's only ever. good if it's in like Wayne's World or something, you know? Yeah, something where it's a parody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Descent, part one. The Borg begin a new offensive against the Federation, but this time they're acting as individuals. Data experiences his first emotions while fighting them. And we're going to we're gonna talk about this both both halves. So, we're going to spoil... So, this... Yeah, we're going to spoil part two yeah. of Descent, which is the first episode from season seven. Yeah. I didn't realize... I didn't realize I was watching it because I was on Netflix continuous play and I was so into what was happening that I just kept watching <laughs> through... So the second half, Picard tries to free Data. So the the end of the first half, we find out that uh, Andy, this is spoiler time. Go away. <laughs> Sorry, I said that very rudely. Just but mute. go. And I <laughs> I said that so rudely. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um. Anyway, so spoilers. Here we go. So Laura's back and like gives Data this emotion chip and 
But he only feels hatred. Yeah, he only gives him hate emotions and anger emotions. Oh, so what I loved about this is the Borg come back, right? But they're not really the Borg. They're like an offshoot of the Borg because the Borg because of Hugh. So Hugh taught them what emotions and like uh, like not necessarily emotions, but like uh, self self sense of self of yeah yeah, sense of self self awareness is. And so like they're all like defectors basically of the borg lifestyle but they also hate humans right and so you yeah. find out that they're just trying to cleanse every inferior race they're doing like this whole genocide thing and we don't know who their leader is yet or anything but like yeah. all data knows is that he goes up to one of the borg who's like trying to kill him and he gets angry for the first time ever in his yeah. life and he like grabs this borg by his neck and it's strangles his first him to emotion death. ever yeah it's his first emotion ever and he's like stop it stop it stop it and like kills him and like throws him and he's like they're like what's wrong with you data because he's just standing blankly and like staring looking horrified and he doesn't he's not one to look horrified yeah you know because <laughs> he doesn't have emotions and like he's like i think i felt my first emotion and i was like oh shit <laughs> did that blow your mind oh my god it was so good oh, just like crazy. that whole first like thing i was just like edge of my seat like it's wow. so good i do love the way this starts i'm actually not wild about this as a whole uh data just wants to find love oh, well he found really. it he's here. looking for love in all the wrong places though uh <laughs> i i'm not wild about the whole lore genocidal leader storyline because right. it's so ill-defined i like i just watched this very recently and i could barely understand what was happening? Like he they was never just, just being destructive because he's Lorne. He's yeah, like a but that's not enough hole. for me, you know. He's he's like this. I cha- seen he's Lorne just in like six years. He's like uh, chaotic. Yeah, evil. His his plan just seems to be to convince Data to he's be like evil the Joker. With him. He's just lonely. He just wants Data. Yes, because he, he has he just emotions. Wants to be in charge of the Borg, but they never explain why or he's how selfish and know. lonely. I don't think we need that much explanation. Yeah. To I needed a little personally. more. I needed a little more. Yeah. I, I couldn't sink into the emotional crux of the story because it didn't quite ring true to me. And I didn't have enough information to get behind, get behind the point of view of any yeah. of the characters. I actually felt uh, like both halves of it feel rushed to me, uh, particularly the first half where, like you get into this altercation with the Borg and then you're like going down to the planet and then you're looking around. I don't feel like there's much meat and potatoes of story there. It's just like looking for shit. And the second half has more of the story. Right. But I, but I felt like they didn't give me enough of the details of the story for me to let the first it. half had a lot of, of, uh, data acting really like creepy, like, and weird because and, and he he's like trying that. to figure stuff out. That and so he's like, well, he's just like in the holodeck pretending to strangle this Borg over and oh, over yeah, again. Right. And Jordy's all like, uh, dude, I don't think this is healthy, man. Yeah, like, it's, really, it's really unsettling. This is really weird. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I need my life to feel threatened and I need two officers to like turn off the safety features of the holodeck. And yeah. like, so will you please help me out like real quick? And Jordy's like, no, <laughs> 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 no, this is weird what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so I just enjoyed that. Just like seeing data, like acting out of character like that is really I agree. It's fun. It's to nice to see Brent Spiner do all these different shades yeah. of different versions of the same character. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting. I mean, like Hugh, I love Iborg. Like seeing Hugh again was so exciting for me. But again, like they didn't it's really pay it off. It's just Robot Hitler. I get robot that. Robot Hitler. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, they didn't really pay off Hugh either. I, I felt like they put in the things that fans wanted in this episode, but didn't necessarily know what to do with them. Maybe I'm just that cheap, and I just like it. Well, I liked it when I was when I when I first. When you were a kid, it. you could say yeah. it. When I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I was a kid. I liked it when I was a kid. That's and cool. then on this latest <laughs> viewing, because I know what was going to happen, and I was still like fuzzy in my memory about what Laura's motivation was, and then I was still fuzzy after watching it, and that was uh, yeah. annoying to me. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that stuff. But I yeah. really just liked them trying, like, um, the away team on the planet. Uh that was left because they evacuated most of the people, but there were still some people left, and uh, Picard was still stuck in there. Oh yeah, and they had to figure out a way they out had of to jail away. using the visor. Yeah, that was fun. That's your dream scenario. No, they didn't use the visor in that episode. The visor one. Was... Oh, that's in the one we talked about before. Yeah, they use a. What did they use? We didn't talk about that episode. We skipped an episode. What? Yeah, that was last season, wasn't it? No. What? The visor what? one. We skipped an episode. Um, that episode is called. Uh, Starship Mine. The one where they're fumigating the ship? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about that episode. We, di- we didn't. Where is it in the season? Let's take a look I here. I don't know. But yeah, in this episode, they get out with like, um, they steal like a comm from somebody or something. And they have to make a thing that'll like fry the, uh, no, that'll turn on the safety features in Data's mind again or something or disable something that'll allow him to realize that his because because lord overrode his like controls for like not harming humans or something like that yeah dude you're yeah. totally right starship nine yeah. is after birthright part two that's so weird i just used next on um memory alpha i was just using right. the next function on each episode and there's like a next production order to next Tele- teleporter order, so teleportation technology the holodeck not the holodeck the teleportation adam <laughs> is my favorite technology slash innovation in star trek for me i think it's the replicator replicator's cool too like the ability to like to not have to own anything and to have everything you could possibly need including food like i feel like the replicator is the invention that makes the star trek future possible absolutely and i'm, I'm sure like, yeah getting places fast is something that i want desperately but I'd rather get to a Star Trek future if I had to right. choose one. I think the replicator gets us there. Right. I want to say holodeck, but it's just like holodeck's no. fucking awesome. But like, it's so dangerous. So dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dangerous. Um, I don't think we missed anything else. Let me just double check here. Yeah, no, we did that one. So yeah, we missed. Well, this is great because I, I'm while I'm lukewarm on the final episode of this season. I'm fiery red hot on Starship Mine, which is the episode where, like, the Enterprise is undergoing this like this green laser beam it's thing a, that's it's cleaning a fumigation. it. It's a fumigation. Yeah. They need it's, to evacuate because they're oil yeah, they're just fumigating yeah. the Starship Enterprise, and uh, there's <laughs> Data is trying to learn the science of small talk, right? Oh my so God, he like so gets good. into the a small talk battle with like the small talk master, the guy <laughs> that's like hosting them, like on the planet that they're hanging out on or whatever. Yeah, I love it. And uh, meanwhile, somebody's trying to steal like the byproduct of whatever their run- engine runs off of for like to sell it to terrorists right so they're posing right. as like the crew that comes in and like yeah. like does stuff before they fumigate or one whatever. of those people becomes tuvok on voyager oh cool yeah 
Yeah, like that's a really good episode. Yeah, so Picard is just running around on the ship. Because he went back to get his saddle, but he got stuck. Uh, Yeah, he gets stuck. He tries to transport himself off and warn people that there's people like taking over the ship and he can't. Yeah. So then he has to just solve the problem. So it's just like Picard in Rambo mode. Yeah, trying to like set booby traps for people and stuff. Yeah, And uh, Yeah. So he almost dies. They transport him off the ship. and uh, But Data... This is the one where I, that I was saying, like, the Beverly Riker, Data, and Troy. Right, right. Totally. Uh, this is the one I thought you were yeah. talking about, too. <laughs> uh, this is the cool one. And they that's the one they use the visor to knock everybody right. out. And Which Data's I was getting the confused. only one yeah. that can stay a, a, awake for I lo- the thing that they did. I love that there's two very similar situations in this se- yeah. or, like this season and then the beginning of the next one. Picardella they- Home Alone, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Picard- yeah. <laughs> Home Alone. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah, like similar situations where they have to use some unexpected device to trigger the whatever it is to do the thing to get out of yeah. what is happening. I love that kind of stuff. Um, I love it's it. pretty cool. Uh, I like how they all had to like whisper under each other's breath like as they like try to casually walk by each other so that they could come up with a plan <laughs> while like their, their oh, right. ha- well, captors like, yeah, yeah, are like totally. just hanging out <laughs> and shooting the shit like, <laughs> thank you blue bee control yeah <laughs> no i love that i uh, yeah i love the whole episode i love that it like revolves around his saddle and of course i love the fact that he pretends to be mott the barber who are you my name is mott i'm uh, i'm the barber Barbara, what the hell are you doing here? Everyone was supposed to be evacuated to the surface. Yes, I know. Um, but I wanted to go riding, but I, I didn't have my saddle, so I went back Your to saddle? get it. And, yes, that's right. It's on deck seven. I left it in the corridor. And then the power went out, and uh, I got lost. All right, all right, shut up. Just shut up! Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm Mott, and they're, the whole episode they're calling him Mott. They're like, where's Mott? Where's the barber? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's a barber. I love it. That Those types of episodes, I think this season has maybe the most of them, where they're just, like, really fun. I you lost know? my fa- Oh, it's under Uh-oh. my butt fat. Un- Did you look in your butt? Yeah. Um... Adam Gross says that it's fun saying to Siri, beam me up, Scotty, and I don't know what that's about. Oh, so. yeah, let's do it. Beam me up, Scotty. Can I see your badge, please? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Dude, that's not what I was expecting. It took her a while. Yeah, well, time. I've got an iPhone 5 because I broke and smashed my iPhone 7. Oh, no. It's a huge bummer. She got there, though. Yeah. She did it. She can do it. Yeah, I I like like we were saying. I like the way that characters are grouped. Yeah, this season. good configurations this season. Good yeah. small talk stuff with data. Yeah, um, I just, love that. Just a really good episode. Really and then, good character stuff. Also, so one thing that I did. The reason I wanted to remember to talk about this episode was because uh, we've been killing a lot of people this season. Huh? Like like Picard, like having to murder people has been a thing this season. Did he murder people? Not, I thought he just knocked them out. I feel like, okay, he definitely, like, killed some people. He, like, blew up that ship. He gave them every chance in the world I to know, make the right I'm just choice, saying, and they didn't and, take And it. I'm not saying that he's happy about it. I'm just saying that he's yeah. been facing that choice a lot more lately. I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah like, totally. where he has to, like, kill people. I got defensive for some reason. No, I'm with you. I, I see I'm not saying. saying that he's cold-blooded yeah, and, no. like, running around murdering people like that. I, I just meant, like, he's been yeah. having to... I like seeing him put in that position, yeah. because I think that if anyone is going to make that decision, it should be him. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone really should... Like, the decision is always, like 
can I save the most people? Like in that situation, he has yeah. to kill that person to save. Right. Like you know, however. All no, he who, did was take the, the clasp off of the thing that they had the stuff in, right? Yeah. Um, and they blew up because she was going to go sell it to terrorists. That's right. That's and, right. And it was a little bit more hardcore than normal, I think. Yeah. And like, I was yeah. like, damn, dude, like he's been having to kill people. Yeah. That was a little. But that's not the first time know. that happened this season. Like I was yeah, like, I remember thinking times. that several other times, like, damn, like many of these people have had to like, just, there was no other option for them. So they yeah, like to, in like, tapestry, you get to see some, hear some of his memories of all the people he's killed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You're totally right. A lot of killing stuff in this season, which yeah. I think is true. Hardcore. Yeah. It's really hard for me. Chain of command is the highlight of the season for sure. Yeah. And I put that as parts one and two. What do you think? Chain of command. Which one is that? That's the one where Picard is tortured by the Cardassians. Oh, that one's high up there for sure. But uh, back to the last two that we were talking about, part one and part two, the season finale and the season premiere of yeah, yeah, season yeah. seven. Descent. Um, Descent. Uh, just uh, to wrap it up with that, I really, really am very much. It always, I think it just really piques my interest when we look at Data having emotions because for a second there it looked like he was scared you know if for a second there it looked like he was only capable of having like angry right. emotions totally. Totally. and uh, thankfully that just turned out that he was being manipulated by his brother who right. found a way to wi-fi emotions to him but then he chooses not to use the chip well he has the burnt out one they could probably backwards engineer it but he's like i don't yeah. want that because it turned me into a b-hole yeah. and jordy's like no dude i'm your friend you're gonna want this later i'm taking it and like <laughs> <laughs> like and because because they're friends and this is what is that. interesting i do love that this is what's interesting because he doesn't have a comparison yes, right hey sam what's up cardassians and kardashians are indeed interchangeable yes yeah. absolutely Sorry, Absolutely. Um, no, I'm just saying, like, uh, I really just enjoy um, the. Uh, so he has emotions for the first time and they're like, OK, try to describe the emotion that you had. And I'll tell you if it was an emotion because he's like, I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. And he's and like, he's like, OK, did you feel like jealous? Like, and he's like, can you try to explain emotions without using emotions? And <laughs> like, you can't. Yeah. Because this is just like a universal experience that people totally. have. Right. So who knows if he's felt emotions or not at this point? Honestly, it was obviously different enough for him to have noticed it when it happened, when he was being manipulated by lore. Yeah. However, I feel like he definitely has a potential there because there's no way he doesn't feel some form of emotions at this point. Yeah, I think the the differentiating factor is Troy, who can feel his emotions when lore took over and can't normally. He's just blank to her normally. Totally. But I still don't think that that necessarily, like, like, says that he isn't feeling it you know no i'm saying i'm saying that he does have feelings that i think that he's been having feelings for a long time they're just not they're just very the same kind of thing thing. that we have because we're humans for tasha yar he wouldn't have saved yeah he wouldn't have saved that picture of her that we saw in measure man yeah he keeps sentimental objects around him that that implies yeah emotional contact even right if, even if he doesn't I just know think why, it's different for him because he's an android and that's it I agree. and i he think that he functionally yeah somehow. i think he just yeah. functionally just has emotions but i do think that the emotion chip takes him from being like 
ex- like a very like maybe like I think that it makes him person, have like so like a normally emotional person. I think like it just makes him, him like have human, human level emotions. Human level emotions. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, totally. that's what I think it does. And unfortunately, with Laura, just the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. And Laura is just twisted, man. That guy's got yeah. issues. Laura's a motherfucker. Yeah, he's a real jerk. Real piece of shit. Real punk. So do you feel like this was the best season so far? So far, it's been my favorite season. Cool. So much good stuff that I've just been loving so much. Yeah. For me, I love seasons. And like I said, oh, 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 oh. And yeah, yeah, Crusher, yeah. <laughs> Crusher, like taking command. Oh, yeah. In episode oh, one of season seven. I love that. Was that. So, she was so, she was so good. Badass. She She's was great. so good at Gates it. Gates McFadden is Just awesome. the way she was like doing like her her command style was just so awesome. I loved it. I, I was, was really like, oh, man, I would pick you to be the captain. Like if I didn't serve on the Enterprise, I would like serve on a ship that you were like the totally. captain of. I know. Totally. <laughs> like, She's so awesome. So good. Uh, yeah. 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 I loved it. I love season six. I feel like seasons three through seven are all so great. It's hard for me to like have a favorite. It's more for me just like episodes. So I guess someday I'll have to sit down and count. This like, is a trend for me though. Like I tend to like, I, I tend to like almost anything in their, in its later years. Like, like things get better. Things sure. in my yeah. opinion, get better. A lot of people I feel like get very like contrarian about stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, well the early stuff was better. That was like the original blah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, why wouldn't you like how something ages? It just becomes more of what it is. And like really like becomes yeah. comfortable in itself. I think, I'm, yeah, I think yeah. the, the only time where it goes the wrong way is like the office where, it well, sometimes so, it, gets it gets overdone. So that it you need to, it's yeah, at, yeah. At a hey, Dana, point, you need to, to learn when to end a show, yeah. which is what I think should have happened with a lot of TV shows yeah. at this point, the Simpsons included. But I think um, seven years for TNG is actually perfect. I think that I'm really excited for this final season. I'm yeah. going to be sad when it's gone, but I also think that we'll probably have gotten the story that we needed to get out of it. I think that you do. I think yeah. that you do. And just it's just in the direction that it's been going. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to season seven. But yeah. yeah. I've been rewatching uh as we've gone along over the last couple of years. And then I also have been doing another watch like sort of half watch with uh Andy because she's watching from the beginning. Uh-huh. She's in season two now. So I've been watching right now season seven and season two, a little bit of each. Mm-hmm. And it's just like Every time I put this show on TV, at any point in the show, it just connects me back to my childhood. Cool. And I've come to realize through podcasting about this that, like, while it might be my favorite show, it's not because it's the best show ever made. It's right. because, like, I have this personal attachment to it that's well, really Well, it connects to you to in me, a certain you know? way. And that I've been watching since I was, like, four yeah. years old. So, yeah. I, and that's nice, though. That I've makes been it feel re-watching. like it's my friend. Like, the show is my friend, you know? So, I've been rewatching The Simpsons. I'm on season one, right? Wow. That's prime simpsons season one i bought that on dvd and i hated it i i mean i'm just saying early simpsons like the first 10 years of the simpsons okay like like, yeah it like totally changed after like season one like homer's voice is so different homer's voice is so different like the show is so it was still finding its legs in season one i'm not saying season one necessarily is prime simpsons i'm just saying like i think like two yeah two on you know yeah didn't it like but i'm just saying just speaking of growing up with something you know what i mean like that's like one thing that like i have but um but yeah 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 paula says there are not a lot of shows that showcase what the best version of humanity can be. I know. There are totally. so many. I agree. There are so many that uh, focus on the worst that humanity can be. Right. 
a la uh, Handmaid's Tale. The Hundred. The Hundred. Um, Black Mirror, even. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. those just, shows, I feel like they show... They're valuable. Yeah, I think that yeah. they're like cautionary tales. Yeah. Like, this um, is what happens when humanity follows its instincts, so yeah. we need to, like try i also really love doctor who for that same reason because you see you see a lot of positive you know a positive versions of human reality and it's really cool or Um, at least like a really deep love for humanity yeah which i think is really special yeah it's really nice that's that was season seven or season six that was season six we did it Season six we did it cheers very good yeah well thank you guys so much for hanging out with us yeah this was like, I don't know, one of my favorite ones that we've done yet. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I love doing it on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's been really it's cool. Really I think we should do the next one the same way. It'll be our 100th, 100th episode. episode. Yeah. yeah, so let's live stream that one let's, for Yeah, sure. we will. Let's do it. Yeah, That's the plan. We're sure. gonna, that was my original plan. And then Beat I, me up, Scotty. I didn't think we would make it, so I made a new plan, but I like the original plan better. It's reading. It's hearing me talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> It hears everything. That was my original plan in the TV up, Scotty. I didn't think we would make it. Let Let me me check check on on that. that. (laughs) Okay, I found this on the web for that was my original plan in the TV up, Scotty. I didn't think we would make it, so I made a new plan, but I like it. It's really, it's hearing me talk as that he was there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love you, Siri. That's so funny. Colby, thanks for hanging out. Colby, I'm glad you had fun. This was awesome. Thank you, guys. So I usually stream Mario Maker on this channel. I'll be doing more of that this weekend. Oh, it does? Yeah, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Um, And then I'm actually working on a live version of my other podcast, Sci-Fi on Trial. Cool. It's going to be really fun. Cool. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do occasional I would love to do a sci-fi on trial one of these days it's okay. just such a I'd love to have you yeah do that. You'd be awesome I would love to that. do that yeah yeah we'll get it I'm there. more confident in my podcasting the more you have me on so nice. now I'm you're like, awesome you're like my yeah. first <laughs> and you still are Shasta Gaming what's up dude welcome Hey, All right, you guys. Welcome. So, we're, we're about to leave. So. Yeah, we're about to leave. So this is uh, going to be in a podcast on my podcast, yeah. Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. You can find it at jessemercury.com. Mm-hmm. Make sure to check out my music, you guys. Yeah, uh, I play awesome sure. punk rock about partying, doing drugs, and also hating yourself. It's really cool. We're called Rat Queen. Uh, Bandcamp. Oh, ratqueen.bandcamp.com. <laughs> That's what it is. And I'm also on Facebook. And you could just friend me. Whatever. Let's just be friends. Totally. Why not? Let's all be friends. Let's just all be friends. Jeff Tappy on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so thanks. Yeah, thanks thank so much guys. for having me. Bye, Dana. This yeah. was my first ever sci-fi stream on YouTube. Oh, well, Which, it worked. We did nice. this on Facebook once, but yeah. I think YouTube is my home now. Yeah. This is my home. Yep. I love you, YouTube. You hey, Andy. Hey, you're back. Yay. Oh, bye, Andy. Andy. You should, Andy, you should come over. <laughs> Do you want to come over? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you, Colby. We'd love to see you again. Yeah. Thanks, Colby. Yeah. And I'm going to play Mario Maker this weekend. Great questions from both Colby and uh, it's me, Paula. Yeah. Good, good contributions. Thanks so much. I just want to give a shout out to you guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, you you make this so much more fun than just. Yeah, I mean it's really fun just talking to you. Yeah, you know, totally. I love, we've been doing it for years, and yeah. I love it. But it's also really fun talking to you guys too. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. So tune in next time, guys. Yeah. Bye, Shasta. Bye, Adam. Thank you, guys. Bye, Andy. Adam. Andy, come over. Andy, come over. Okay, <laughs> bye. There you have it, my friends. Another great discussion with Jeff. She'll be back. The plan is for her to come back on episode 100 to do a live discussion of season seven of The Next Generation. I, I, 
I've been, you know, going back and forth on whether or not this is going to happen, but I think it will happen. And that's, this is my first choice of what I want to do with episode 100, because we started with uh, season one of TNG in the first episode of this show. I want to get to season seven on episode 100. That just feels right to me. And then I want to start talking about Firefly right after that. And, you know, in my mind, TNG has been the core the core sort of show that we've discussed. It's the only show uh, that's a big show that we've gone through every single episode like this. You know, I've talked about Buffy, but we did it in two episodes instead of in what'll probably be like at least 14 episodes on The Next Generation. I think maybe 15 because one of them was split into three parts uh, for season four because we talked for so goddamn long. I mean, if I had my way, I'd talk about every single episode of that show one at a time, which I would love to do someday. I don't know. Maybe we'll see because uh, I love that show so much. So I really wanted to celebrate my 100th episode with that show, and that is currently the plan. So we will be doing that live on YouTube, and uh, that's one where I want it to be a party. I want you all to come hang out. So since I've been game streaming recently and reaching a bigger audience and feeling all of this enthusiasm for that project, it's made me have this weird feeling about this podcast and my sci-fi project in general where I, you know, I work so hard on it and I put so much time and effort into it and I don't necessarily... Uh, hear from that many people or get as many plays as I would like to have. Uh, you know, my, my plays are solid. They're about average. I've done some research into podcast play numbers and I'm, I'm average, but I want to be above average. So, uh, and, and beyond that, I want to really feel like I'm building community. I want to feel like, you know, people who listen to this show are sci-fi fans and find comfort in hearing discussions from other sci-fi fans. So I have some a couple things to ask of you. First of all, uh, if you like the show, let me know. I'd really like to hear from you. I need a boost of confidence in what I'm doing here. So you can email me at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. Let me know what you think uh, and let me know if you have some thoughts you want to share with other people that I can share on the show. Or if it's personal and you don't want me to share it, definitely let me know either way. But if this show impacts you in a positive way, I really want to hear about it. Uh, second, if you like this show, please leave a positive rating and review on iTunes. I know I ask for this all the time, but I only have nine uh, ratings. And they're all five star, which is awesome. But in order for this show to show up in iTunes search results, I need to have more reviews. You know, if people are searching for sci-fi on iTunes, I'm not going to show up. And I want to get to the place where my show will at least show up so I have a chance of grabbing random new listeners. Because right now, the only way for me to get new listeners is for me to post the shows or for you to share the shows. Uh, and I need to find some way to tap into a larger audience with this show. So please leave a positive rating review on iTunes. Uh, it would really mean the world to me. I've been pushing my Patreon pretty hard for at least the last year, and I'm up to about $32 a month, I believe, which is which is great. I mean, it's great that I'm making $32 a month off of podcasting, but I am running into the problem where uh, I, you know, I'm on medical leave. I don't have income right now, and I really need to be putting my time and effort into things that make income or trying to figure out ways to make what I'm putting my time and effort into generate some income. So if you are so inclined, I would love some new support on Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. It's a monthly subscription where you can sign up for anywhere from $1 a month to as much as you want to support the show. There are different reward levels uh, for all sorts of different donations. You can also donate to the show through PayPal just using my email address, sci-fi at jessemercury.com. 
there are several of you that are very passionate about what I do and you let me know and I really appreciate it. But it's, you know, it's a, it's an admittedly small number. And now that I'm feeling what it feels like to uh, to do something that people really want with the game streaming, which is blowing me away that people really want that. You know, people ask me every day, am I streaming today? I've never been asked once, when does the next, next podcast come out? If I skip a week, no one has ever written to me and said, oh, I'm bummed I, you didn't put a show out this week. and you know, I, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means that people just aren't excited about this as I am. But I would just I would just say a special request at the end of this episode that if you like the show, uh, please let me know in any of those ways or reach out to me on Twitter at Sci-Fi Project. You know, I mean, donating money is great, but just just letting me know or leaving a review is is more what I need at this point. I need to feel like this show is, you know, wanted by its audience. Um, yeah, that would really make me feel better. You know, I'm, <laughs> I've got Lyme disease, my energy is limited and I'm trying very hard to keep this show going. And some, sometimes, you know, when I'm pulling all that energy out of myself to make it happen, I need to get some energy back from you guys to make it feel like it is worthwhile. So if that is important to you, let me know if it's not, then don't. And <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, then the show will probably not continue forever. If I continue to not get feedback for the show, but really all it takes at this point to keep this show going is to hear from you guys uh, and definitely, you know, leave some reviews, financial support, anything that you can do will help me find the energy to keep this going. So that's, that's my spiel. Things I've been thinking about recently as I approach a hundred episodes. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening, especially for listening to me rant at the end there. I really appreciate it. Uh, next week, I've got a really good show. My new friend, Jacob Finkel, came over. He's a Doctor Who expert. He's seen every single episode of Doctor Who, including the old Who. And he basically gave me a history lesson on the old Doctors, and it was fascinating. I had so much fun. So that'll be in the show next week. Until then, you know what I'm going to say. Stay nerdy out there. <laughs>